Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. I want to welcome you to South Coast Christian. I'm Pastor Tom Uh, lead pastor here at the church, and we're so glad that you joined us today online. Uh, We hope that you're going to enjoy uh, today's message. We had some technical difficulties today, and so we're not able to bring you worship. We love to bring worship to you today, but uh, just because of some heat issues that we've had, technical issues, uh, we're going to bring just the message to you today. But we will be back to normal next week. But I have a powerful word that I want to share with you today. Uh, We're in this new series called Grow, and I believe it's going to impact your life. It's a three-week series, and we as a church believe that we should be continually growing in Christ. Uh, Before I go any further, I want to just share a couple thoughts. Um, At the end of service uh, here at South Coast Christian, uh, we do communion. We take communion on the first Sunday of every month. Uh, Communion is an opportunity to remember the great gift that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. So uh, we're gonna, I'm going to lead you through communion at the end of the service. So I encourage you just for a few moments, if you need to pause, uh, go ahead and grab uh, some juice and some bread. And uh, I encourage you to take communion together as a family. Or if you're single, take it with me today at the end of the message. It's going to be a, a great opportunity for you. Um, but let's, uh, let's begin with prayer today, and uh, let's just believe that God's go- this word today is going to touch lives, and I pray especially it's going to touch your life. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, today that you would bring me clarity, but more importantly, Lord God, I pray that your word will become revelation to all of us, and that, Lord God, it will be life-changing, and it will impact our lives and change us from the inside out. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're launching a new three-week series, and it's entitled Grow. We believe as a church that we should continually be growing in Christ. I'm sure you've heard the saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. Or I would say, if you're not growing, you're shrinking. We always need to continually be growing in our walk with Jesus Christ. Peter writes these words in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. He says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need to be actively growing. Otherwise, our spiritual life will become dormant and we begin to shrink. As followers of Christ, Jesus should be the most important part of our life. He should be, that should be the most important relationship in our life. And I know right now you might be thinking, man, how can that be, Pastor Tom? Because, you know, physically I can have a relationship with another person and and my brother or my sister or a good friend, but I I can't see Jesus. How do I have a relationship with someone I cannot see? And I would challenge you that we are more spirit than physical. These bodies will one day die, and I believe our spirit lives on for eternity. And Jesus is a spiritual being that you can invite and have a relationship with him. And I want to talk to you about how to do that as we walk through this message today. As followers of Christ, it's important that we have a relationship with Jesus. Over these next three weeks, we're going to discuss how we can grow that relationship and and make Jesus the top priority of our life. Let's begin with this question. 
Because some of you might be watching right now, you might have been just tuning in, and all of a sudden you just saw this, and, and you're, you're not even sure that you're following Christ. Maybe, maybe you're just kind of checking out what church is all about. You've heard about God, but you're not sure if you want to serve God or if you want to follow God. And, and so why would I even want to make Jesus the top priority? Let's, let's ask that question. And I would challenge you with these two answers. The reason that you want to make Jesus the top priority of your life is because Jesus is God. And I know it takes faith to believe that, but let me share some thought. Let me ask you this question. If you were out in the desert and you were stranded without, no, without any food, without any water, and no way out of that desert, you have no vehicle, you are basically destined to die in that desert. And then all of a sudden a person walks up and they have food and water, plenty of it, and they look at you and said, hey, I will lead you out of this desert. Just come and follow me. What would you do? You would go and follow. The reason you would do so is because you would want to live. Well, I would challenge you spiritually. Jesus has the power to lead us out of sin, out of bondage, out of selfishness. He has the power to lead us into eternal life with our Heavenly Father, God. He has that power to do so. Um, he's, our Heavenly Father loves us. He's created us. And He has promised us eternal life that is beyond our imagination it's beyond our understanding. We follow because he loves us, and Jesus is our only hope if we ever want to have eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. The second reason I would challenge you to follow Jesus is this, because Jesus will make you a better person. This is just simple. It's just a kind of a plain statement, but by following Jesus, you will become a better person in your life. Growing in Jesus will change your life from a life that is selfish to a life that is selfless. Jesus will change your priorities. The priority of humanity is self. We're always looking out for myself, for oneself, which, which leads to eventually loneliness and discouragement and guilt. And basically, it's an overall feeling that your life is irrelevant because all it is is about me. Jesus gives you purpose beyond yourself. Your focus will change from self to others, to God. It's the environment that you will actively grow into a life that is really, I would say, spectacular because you have God on your side and he is leading you. Our vision here at South Coast Christian is to create an environment to see what God can do through you. It's to create an environment to see what God can do through our church. We want to make a difference in lives. It's living in these environments, an environment of passionate faith, of extravagant grace, of authentic love. It's an environment of real community with, with one another, fellowshipping and doing life together. It's in these environments that create dynamic growth so that we can grow our life in Christ. Growth happens as we choose to follow Jesus and allow his love and his power to change us. Today, my message that I'm walking into right now, and I want you to follow along with me, the, the message that um, I'm going to share with you today is going to answer one question. And that is this. And I believe this is a question that many people ask. How can I know God? How can I know God? And I, let me share four steps that I think will, will kind of unveil and reveal to you. And maybe this is a great uh, uh, training session or a tune-up session for some of you. And maybe for others, this is the first time you've ever uh, I've, I've heard this question and want someone to answer this question. And I hope this will be revelation to you. How can I know God? 
The first step in knowing God is recognizing that God is compassionate. Your life matters to God. Even if you're here today and you just tuned in and you didn't even, you're not even following God, I'm telling you right now that even your life, everyone's life, matters to God. He has a deep compassion for you. Listen to Psalms 86, chapter 15. This is, a, this is in the Bible, Psalms 86. It says, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. God is compassionate. We see God's compassion through his son Jesus. In Matthew 9.36, it states, while Jesus was here walking this earth 2,000 years ago, it states this, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He recognized their hurt. He recognized their pain. He recognized their loneliness. And he had compassion for each and every person. He saw that they lost, that they, they, they didn't have direction. He saw that they were lost. And he came to give them direction. He came to give them hope. In Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus states, listen to this, this is such a powerful word. And I want to take us somewhere here for you today. It says, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. What does that mean, Pastor Tom? This, to me, demonstrates the level of compassion that God has for all people. Not just for his followers, but for all people. One of the ways that you discover someone's passion is by watching what do they celebrate. Whatever they celebrate is probably going to be something that they are passionate about. Guess what happens? When one person who is lost, who doesn't know God, comes and chooses to follow after Jesus, it states in Scripture, Jesus said these words, that when that takes place, when one person makes a commitment to follow after Jesus, that all of heaven celebrates. That's how much compassion or passion that Jesus has for those who are lost. It doesn't mean that the 99 don't matter, but it means that God is highly passionate about the one person whose life is in great need. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 states, God does not want anyone to be destroyed. Why? Because you are his creation. You are his masterpiece. You are his desire. You are his passion. Luke 15, Jesus shares three parables to a, a crowd of people that had surrounded him. He shared a parable about a, a lost coin. He shared a parable about a lost son and about a lost sheep. Each of these parables describes God's great desire for those who are lost. And it represents God's compassion. Have you ever lost something? Have you ever lost something valuable to you and you, you were struggling on finding it? I don't know about you, but there's been multiple times where I have, in fact, it just happened to me today. I lost my phone and I was searching around for it, trying to find my phone and couldn't find it. And I was kind of like in panic mode. And Because, see, my phone is my planner. I have many things in my phone that helps me schedule out my day. On my phone, guess what? I can run my finances from my phone. On my phone, it's a, it's a tool that I communicate with other people. And I have so many things that I can do, even my scriptures, my, I read my Bible many times off my phone, and it's become a part of me. And so when I lost my phone, I was a little bit in panic mode. I was a little bit unrest. I need to find my phone because that phone is part of me. Well, guess what? You are God's creation. And when you are lost, God does not rest. 
Because you are part of God. He created you and he wants you back. He wants you to come back into his family and he's searching for you and he's trying to find you and he wants to find you. But you have to make that choice to come to God. He won't rest until that happens. He wants you. He's compassionate for you. The second step in knowing God is understanding this, that God loves you. Many people have heard this statement, but I don't, I don't think any of us truly understand the depth of God's love. God's love for you is all the time. It never stops. It, it, it goes forever. His love is for you ongoing. Jesus says these words in John chapter 3, verse 16, one of the most famous scriptures in the word of God. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the love of God for you. That he was willing to even sacrifice his own son so that you might have life. God provided this gift while you were still disobedient towards him. His love is not predicated on your goodness. I'm going to say that again. His love is not predicated on your goodness. His love is predicated on his goodness. It's essential to understand that God truly loves you. And in his love is where you will find relationship with him. Let me share why this is so important. Why you understand and know God loves you. Because if you don't understand God's love for you, then you will only fear God and never really truly put your faith and trust in God. You will only serve God out of fear and you won't serve God out of love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see, when you discover God's love for you, there's something that takes place in your life that all of a sudden the fear of life, the fear of co the condemnation, the fear of guilt, all those things that hold you back. When you understand God loves you, he sets you free from all of that so that you can follow him, not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, not out of, of some type of, of thing that's not out of fear. But you're going to follow him because he loves you and you love him. Fear brings about guilt and condemnation. Love brings about freedom and forgiveness. Love is the foundation for our relationship with God. 1 John 4, 16 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. And catch this last phrase. And God abides in you. When you discover his love, guess what? He abides in you, meaning that his presence dwells within you. If you really want to know someone, guess what? You get involved in what they truly value. It's true. If you want to get to a relationship with someone, you find out what they value, you start doing the same thing. If someone really enjoys Food, guess what? You're going to go out and you're going to go out and dine with them. You're going to go out to a restaurant and eat with them. If someone really enjoys music, guess what? You're going to go to a concert with them. If someone loves to serve, then you're going to get your, you know, roll up your sleeves and you're going to go out and serve with them because guess what? You want to have relationship with them. Well, if you want to discover God and know who God is, then let me share this thought with you. God values love. 
If you want to discover God, then go out and love others. Love others like God would love them. And you're going to start knowing who God is in your life. The third step in knowing God is believing that God is forgiving. This is a crucial step. Because without God's forgiveness, we have no hope to have relationship with God. It's really important to understand. Catch this. Sin, sin is offensive to God. If you've ever really been really hurt by someone, it's difficult to build a relationship with that person who's offended you. If someone's done you wrong and they've hurt you, guess what? It takes, it's just that you might still love that person. You know, you might still love that person, but you don't want to hang out with that person anymore because they've hurt you, they've offended you, and you've kind of taken a step back from that relationship with that person. Now I want you to think about your relationship with God. Remember what I said before. Sin is highly offensive to God. So it doesn't mean that God ever stops loving you. But all of a sudden, when sin is in you, guess what? That relationship with God is going to be broken because God does, God does not like sin. It's offend, it's a, it offends him. It pushes him away. But, and this is a big but, but because of God's love for you, God created a plan that resolves your sin and restores your relationship with God through forgiveness. It, re it requires the ultimate sacrifice of love, and that was Jesus Christ going on the cross for your sins and my sins. Understand, and this is something important to grasp, that in God's law there always has to be a sacrifice for sin. Throughout the Old Testament you could see this take place. When they would come and they'd bring sin offerings to the temple. Because of their sin, they'd bring an offering and they would sacrifice a lamb or they would sacrifice some type of animal that would represent their, sor their, sor their sorrow for the sin that had taken place. And they would continually be sacrificing because none of the sacrifices that would, they would give would ever completely take away their sins. It might appease, but there was nothing more than that. And God was really trying to show us something in the future that was going to have to take place for us to ever find forgiveness of sin and that was eventually when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. God restored our relationship through faith in Jesus Christ because of what Christ did on the cross dying for, for you and for me. It required the ultimate sacrifice. Understand that in God's law there is always a sacrifice for sin. There always has to be a penalty paid for wrongdoings. Let's remember, laws are good when they are godly, when, when laws are good when they bring godly principles and order into chaos. Laws should never be used to harm, but always used to protect and provide safety. Judgment or punishment happens when laws are broken. So if you go out and rob a bank later on today, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get in trouble. You're probably going to get arrested by the police. You're probably going to serve some time in prison because you can't do that. You can't rob a bank. If you go out and pull a gun on someone today, guess what? You're going to get in trouble because there's laws that protect the citizens of our country. Laws can be good. God's laws are good. God's laws are created there to protect us. But there must be consequences for wrong actions and behaviors. Otherwise, the law would be meaningless and it really have no value. If you break the law, guess what? You have to be punished for the crime. It's a reminder that laws, it's a reminder, catch this, 
that law should be obeyed because it has a purpose to keep one another safe. A lawless society is a society of hate and chaos. God's law is for the good of mankind. But when it's broken, it creates harm and separation. But God loves us so much that he desired to heal that brokenness through forgiveness. But the only way that forgiveness takes place was for the punishment of sin to be paid. So catch this thought. And this is powerful. Jesus came from heaven to earth to take on our punishment. It was a punishment that you and I should have paid for our sins. But guess what? We were not worthy to pay that because we were sinful. Jesus was perfect and sinless. And God recognized that that was the only way to make, the, to make it right, to pay for the punishment of sin by Jesus dying on the cross, resurrecting the third day, representing God's power over sin and death. And Jesus set us free if we're willing to put our faith in God. We have 100% forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Our sins are paid. 1 John 1.9 states these words. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and lead us into and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is important to know that God loves you enough to provide an opportunity for you to find forgiveness. And that forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ. Let's never forget the price that had to be paid. Let's remember the sacrifice that was made. In Bible times, um, if you did wrong, you were punished for that wrong. And sometimes those punishments were very costly. There was beatings, there was whippings, there were scars that would be left. If, if someone would steal, they might have their hand actually cut off or amputated because they, were, they, they stole something. And what happened in, the, in, in Bible times is that the scars, the missing limb would remind that person of the wrong that they had done. They, they were punished for the wrong that they would do and they were supposed to be law-abiding. It was to help them to follow the law. Walk with me on this. When we look upon Jesus in the cross, it should always remind us of the punishment that Jesus paid so that we might be forgiven. Jesus died on the cross with nails put through his hand, spear through his side, a crown of thorns placed on his head. He has the scars to prove that he paid the punishment for your sin and my sin. And when we look upon the cross, when we look upon Jesus, we recognize that he paid the ultimate price for you and for me. Man, it should inspire us to leave sin behind and press forward to righteousness. This should also motivate us that forgiveness is not just something that I receive from God, but that forgiveness is something that I give to one another, that I give to another person, that I don't hold unforgiveness in my heart because Christ does not hold unforgiveness towards me when I put my faith in him. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians 4.32, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is a powerful instrument that restores relationships by allowing the, an opportunity to start over without criticism of past offenses or wrongs. It gives us a reset button that we can push and start over again. Our practice of forgiveness, and I want you to understand this because this is part of knowing God. 
Our practice of forgiveness, when we practice forgiving one another, that brings us closer to understanding who God is. It brings us closer to knowing God. The last step in knowing God is understanding that God is committed to you. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.13. He says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Speaking of God, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. Meaning that God is committed to his promises towards you. He will always remain faithful towards you. It's one of his attributes. It's one of his qualities. He cannot be unfaithful. He only knows faithfulness. And so if he's made a promise, if he's made a commitment to you, he is going to be faithful to that commitment. And that's something that we need to know about God. His commitment began from the very beginning. And the ultimate act of commitment was his son Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. Contemplate that level of commitment. The level of being able to sacrifice your life for for someone else. But for there to be value in a relationship, there must be a commitment by both parties. Otherwise, there is really no relationship. Can you imagine a marriage where there's only a commitment by one partner? There's only one person that's made a commitment to that marriage. The other person is not committed. So one person is, is in the marriage. The other person is doing their own thing outside of the marriage. They're, doing, they're not even a part of the marriage. They're, they're, they show up once a week at the, at the house. That's all they do. That's not a relationship. That, there is no marriage there because guess what? Only one person is committed to it. For, for our relationship with God to work, it requires, because God already made the commitment to you and to me. He made that commitment when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. That commitment is solidified there. He always made covenants with his people that that Jesus was coming, that he was sending a Savior. And he sent the Savior 2,000 years ago. He made that commitment. Now for that relationship for you and for me between God to work, guess what? We have to make a commitment towards God. And as we make that commitment, we're going to know God like never before because we're going to be in a relationship with God where His Spirit is going to speak to us because we have honored the commitment that He has sent towards us. Your commitment establishes the value of your relationship with Jesus. To know God requires commitment. Listen to this statement made by Jesus in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Difficult statement. Sometimes it's a hard statement for some people to understand. But I want to break it down for you today because I think it's so important for us to to grab a hold of if we truly want to know God. Luke 9.23, Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, he's speaking this to a crowd, a multitude of people. He says, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. What does that statement mean? It means everything else in life takes a back seat to your relationship with Jesus Christ. In the first century, that statement, take up your cross, literally mean that you are taking up the instrument that was actually going to put you to death. And Jesus said that your relationship with me, it has to be so important that you're willing to take up your cross and follow me. That's commitment. We don't often talk about that level of commitment today. But in other parts of the world, People face death daily because of of their relationship with Jesus. Their relationship with Jesus is their highest priority and it's their highest privilege. 
we in America have a tendency to take our relationship with Jesus for granted because we have the freedom of religion. We have the freedom to do what we want to do. We don't have any persecution to follow after Jesus, so we kind of take it for granted. But remember, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he's calling us to a commitment. Sometimes I wish that, I don't wish this on us, but sometimes if there was more persecution for on us, it would actually separate us to make sure that, hey, why, if I, am I following Jesus for the right reasons? Am I, am I going to church just be a part of a community, which is not a bad reason to be a part of a community of people? Or am I going to church because I need to have a greater relationship with God? Truly want to know God, then it requires a daily commitment of following Jesus no matter your circumstances. It's the same commitment that Jesus made when he traveled on that road, the Via Dolorosa. It was the road that led to the cross. He made that commitment for you and for me. He made the choice because his love for you and for me was so great. To know God, you must understand his love and commitment towards you. As we make that commitment toward Christ, guess what? We will have a greater understanding and knowledge of who God is. If you want to know God, I just laid out four practical things for you to follow. And you're going to understand who God is in your life in a greater way than ever before. I want to just take a moment before I close today. I want to pray for you. And as you're watching this, maybe this is coming to life to you. I hope it is. And maybe you've been struggling with unforgiveness in your life. And maybe you've done some wrongs that you really felt like there's no way that God could ever forgive you of those wrongs. And I want to share with you right now, by faith in Jesus, there is no wrong that you've ever committed that God cannot forgive you of. That's true. It takes you just to humble yourself before the Lord and ask for his forgiveness. And I want to take that opportunity today. Because if you're out there and you need that, I want you to take that step in faith with me today. If you're, if, you're, if you're on the line, chat with somebody right there or call the church. Because I feel like that is a commitment that can change. I know it is a commitment that can change your life. I want, if you're here today and if you want to make that commitment to follow Jesus, I want to just take a moment and I just want to pray with you today. And I just want you to, right where you're at, just bow your head with me and say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I choose to leave my sins behind and by faith, I choose to receive your forgiveness. God, I pray that you would lead me and direct me and help me do what is right. Today, I choose to follow you in Jesus' name. If you said that prayer, guess what? Right now, you are recorded in heaven as a follower of Jesus Christ. Welcome to the family of God. What was lost is now found. Praise God. Isn't that good? That is awesome. And maybe you're here today, because I really specifically felt in my heart as I was preparing this message, I felt like God was asking me to just present two messages today for people out there. One was for salvation, to follow after Jesus. The other one is for those who are struggling with forgiveness. If you've been hurt, man, maybe badly hurt, and you just feel like there's no possible way that you could ever forgive that person that's hurt you. And I don't know the situation, but God does. And I want to challenge you today that the step forward is actually forgiveness. It's choosing to leave the past behind so that you can continue to move forward. And I want to encourage you, if God was able to forgive you, because remember, sin is so offensive to God. But God provided a way of forgiveness so that we could follow after him. If he was able to do that for you, 
I think it might be time for you to say, hey, I'm going to choose to forgive and move forward in my life. And if that's you, I want you just to believe with me as I say a prayer over you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give the strength and the faith for those who are struggling with forgiveness, that you would bring forgiveness in their life in such a way that, Lord God, they will be able to forgive a person that has hurt them badly. They will be able to, be able to move past that so that they can be set free. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I hope you have enjoyed today. I know it's a little different today because we don't have our worship team with us. But as we go, as we close today, I want to lead you in the opportunity for communion. Hopefully you got some bread and some juice with you. We take communion because communion represents an opportunity for us to remember what Christ Jesus did for each and every one of us. And as you take the bread, I'm going to take my little wafer out of this instrument right here. As you take the bread, the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ, broken, beaten for you and for me. And I want to take that bread in faith, believing that all the things of the past are gone and we have been set free. Will you take the bread with me? The cup represents the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, meaning there's no forgiveness of sin. Jesus died on the cross to provide our forgiveness. He has set us free. And if you take this cup with me today, it's just we're doing it in remembrance of the great sacrifice that Jesus did for you and me. Will you take the cup with me today? Lord, we thank you for what you did 2,000 years ago on the cross. And we praise you today and we worship you today, Lord God. And we give you glory for all that you do in and through our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're so glad that you joined us here today. I want to remind you uh, that thank you for your faithfulness in giving through your tithes and offerings. We encourage you to continue to give. Um, we, are as a, we are as a church are ministering to people in our community, outside our community. We support about over 20 missionaries around the world. And so we thank you for your faithfulness in giving each and every day. I want to bring to you, last earlier this year we gave a whole offering away to Convoy of Hope. We just felt it in our, I felt it in my spirit to give a Sunday offering away to help those that were in need. And we have another need that was presented to us. And I just want to give opportunity for those that, that hear this need and want to give towards this need. If you know uh, in Louisiana, De Quincey, Louisiana, uh, Hurricane Laura came through that whole area, destroyed so much property, lives, and man, 20, I think it was $20 billion worth of damage. And uh, we have a person in our congregation that has a close friend, their pastor friend in a Baptist church, first Baptist church there in De Quincey. And uh, they're in great need. They're just trying to get electricity. They're trying to get water, just basic items. And we want to send a love offering in that direction just to bless them and to help them during this time of need. And that's what we are. We're the church that should help one another. It shouldn't just be about us. It should be about other people in other areas that are in need. So if you want to give to that need today, I encourage you to do so. I know many of you give through our website online or through our church app. Do so if you want to mail a check into the church. And just mark Hurricane Relief 
And the money, all the money that comes in today is going to go to this church. And we know the pastor. We know the church. It's a good church. It's a good pastor. He's going to put those funds into great use. And so we thank you ahead of time for what you're doing. I want to say, uh, again, thank you for uh, coming today. We love you here at South Coast Christian. Pastor Tom loves you. More importantly, God loves you. Have a great and wonderful week. God bless. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.